continuing. This is, I don't even know what part it is because we've been so long in this series, uh, but this is part something um, in our Kingdom Culture series, and we're almost, we're almost done. We've only got like five more weeks left. Um, but what I love about it is as we've been diving into the Sermon on the Mount, God has just been speaking so clearly. He has been um, really, as we dive into particular topics uh, exegetically, which means just line by line, taking the Bible in context for what Jesus was saying or what the writer was saying, God has just been speaking and, and just uh, really addressing the cultural issues that we're seeing in our world and stuff. And so today, I'm really excited about today. Uh, because it's us as a church leading up to Revo Conference, which, as you know, I'm excited about. I lost my place. One second. Where is my... There we go. Uh, but then also, uh, I believe that this is really what God is asking the church to do right now, especially with everything going on culturally uh, in our world. As you know, we are only a few weeks away from an election. Uh, our nation is politically divided. We're still dealing with the coronavirus. On Friday, there were 65,000 confirmed cases uh, added to the number. We just surpassed 8 million. And so whether you believe it's a hoax or whether you believe it's real, it is an issue in our country. And um, I believe that this is, today's message will hopefully speak to everything that's going on. And so I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 7, picking up in verse 7 today. Uh, but as we get ready for this, um, I want to kind of tell you a little bit of story, a little bit of, little bit of a story. Uh, before our church started, my friend Travis, some of you guys may know Travis Estes, uh, him and his wife Kristen, they helped start this church and they're about to give birth to a baby in a few weeks, which is really exciting and it's also crazy because uh, I never thought Travis would have kids and here he is, he's a Christian, he loves Jesus, he's married, he's having a kid. Um, and so if you knew Travis 20 years ago, you would understand, and I know none of you do, and so this is completely irrelevant to this message. So let me get back on track. But whenever Travis moved up here, my mom called him a vampire. I kid you not, because he would sleep all day and stay awake all night. Is there anyone that does that in here? So Dan Hall. All right. Um, and we got Mitch. All right. And so uh, maybe some of you guys watching online, the reason you're not here today is because you were up all night and you rolled out of bed and you just turned on the computer or put on YouTube on the TV. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, Travis would stay awake all night and then sleep all day. And I remember um, there, was, there, was this, uh, there was this opportunity for us to be able to move from East Greenbush to downtown Albany. And we knew God was calling us to start something in Albany. We just didn't know that it would be a church or we didn't know if it would be a ministry or what. And so we got all ready and, and we went and we toured three different apartments. And the first one was nice. And the second, second one, I think, was the nicest. But the third one, which actually happened to be the most run down, um, was where we felt like God was calling us too. And, and I know that that's, that might be weird, but it was directly across from, from the governor's mansion. And, and I think Cuomo had just been elected into office or, um, yeah, I literally think he had just gotten elected into office. And so it was like, oh, this is so cool. Literally, uh, the front window like overlooked their dining room. It was really cool. It was absolutely gorgeous. And since then, they have more trees up and she can't see into the house or anything because, you know, they want their privacy and stuff. Um, but... We didn't have the money to get it. Maybe you've, you've seen yourself or you've been in a situation like this. So the rent was like $1,000 a month, which at the time was a lot to us, and it's still a lot. Um, 
but, but it was about $1,000 a month, and here we are. Uh, I was, I, was I, yeah, I was still working, um, and Travis was unemployed at the time. And so not only did we have to come up with first month's rent of $1,000, but we had to put a security deposit, which was first and last month's rent. So we needed a total of $3,000. Now, because we are stupid, or maybe we just acted on faith, we both left there, and we felt like, man, I really think this is where God wants us. Yeah, I think it is too. All right, cool. So I called the guy, uh, the landlord, and I said, hey, we want to take the place. And he's like, great, um, I, I'll need some, some money down. And so I think we had a couple hundred dollars. We gave him a couple hundred dollars. And he's like, great, I need the other, we'll just say it was 500. I need the other $2,500 by Monday or else I'm going to have to give it to somebody else. Now, this is like a, um, I don't know, Thursday or something like that. And so I was like, all right, cool. God, I don't have any money. Travis, you got any money? Nope. And so we went to Denny's that night, and we got coffee for $1.07 or whatever it was back then, and we ate horrible pancakes and horrible food that always upsets my stomach. Sorry, Josh Ayala, I know you love Denny's. Um, but so after we ate at Denny's, we got back in, and it's now 2 or 3 in the morning. We're driving into uh, the house that we were living in in East Greenbush, and I was like, man, what do we do? And Travis goes, you know what, Michael? Your mom is crazy. And I'm like, yeah, she is crazy. I'm like, no, Michael. Uh, mom, I love you. I know you're watching right now. You'll appreciate this in just a minute. Your mom prays for dishes, and God gives her the dishes that she was praying for. We're children of God. Why don't we ask God for what we need? And I was like, you know what? That's a bright idea. We... we I'm pretty sure that's biblical too, right? Um, let's do it. And so sitting in my truck at 2, 2.30 in the morning, we're sitting there and we just said, God, we need money. And we need money now because we have to give him money on Monday. And so we prayed in Jesus' name, amen. And we went back inside and he went upstairs and he, he did whatever he does until seven in the morning. And I went to bed because, you know, even though I was young, I still felt old at the time. Uh, little did I know. Uh, but the next day, I ended up getting $600 randomly. And Travis received a check from an uncle that passed away that he didn't even know for $2,000. And so we prayed Thursday night, technically Friday morning, at 2.30 in the morning. Within 12 hours, our prayers were answered. And it caused me to, to think, and it's causing me to realize, and this is what I want to encourage all of us, do we go to God with the needs that we have? And do we believe that he is a God who will actually do what Scripture says he can do? Because he will never leave his children out to dry. Scripture is very clear. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. We already talked about it, and Kevin talked about it, about being anxious and being worried. And, and, and you know, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? And God's saying, I don't want you to worry about this stuff. Right now, we live in a, a time in society where people are crippled by anxiety and crippled by fear. And they go on Facebook, they go on Twitter. Ooh, God bless Twitter. And they blast all their concerns and their hate for the world, yet they never approach their Heavenly Father, who is beckoning them and asking them, hey, you're my children, come to me with your needs. Would it be so crazy to have the faith of my mom and to pray for dishes with flowers on them? 
Do you think that God actually cares about that? Or would it be so crazy that if we have a financial need to go to God and say, Lord, I'm frustrated and I need you to move right now. Does he care about that? The answer is yes, because he cares about you. Now, I need to say this right now before anyone's like, oh, this is a prosperity gospel. God does not always give you what you pray for, but he will always give you what is best. And sometimes him saying no is best for your life and will give him the most glory. I just need to throw that out as a disclaimer. That being said, let's dive into Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened up to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. And so here you see Jesus, again, Sermon on the Mount, there's now thousands of people listening to him. He starts talking about prayer. And he says, I want you to ask, I want you to seek, and I want you to knock. But not only does he say that, he also couples it with a promise. If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be opened to you. Now, anytime in scripture, especially in Greek writing, whenever you have examples or adjectives that are coupled in threes, it's because the writer is trying to put an extra emphasis on what is being said right here. And so the writer, which we believe to be Matthew, he's writing about the Sermon on the Mount, and he's saying Jesus is talking about prayer, but it's such a depth to prayer that, that he, he's going to use. Like, you got to ask, that's one adjective to explain it. you got to seek, that's another adjective and then you got a knock that's another adjective all of these are actions that should lead to a place of us going before our heavenly father and when we do that he will hear our prayers see the tension with it all is most of us are quick to say yes to Jesus to invite him into our life so that we could become Christians but we are last to invite him into our daily lives and our daily needs we're quick to say I want Jesus I want salvation, but how often do we talk to God every day? How often do we go through our day talking and communicating with our Heavenly Father? I, I love what uh, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says. It's kind of a, a formula if you want to put it that about prayer. It says, if my people, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Right now, there's a lot of people who are out there crying out for our country. There's a lot of people out there crying out for the world because of the brokenness and the injustice and the political climate that is going on. And, and here you have the writer He's saying, this is what God is saying, if my people, which means there is a choice, are my people going to do it or are they not going to do it, will humble themselves. Meaning you don't have it all together. You can't fix every problem. You can't solve every issue. You need strength from somebody else. And that somebody is the Holy Spirit, our Heavenly Father, Jesus, the Trinity, but if my people would humble themselves, approach God with humility, and then pray and seek, which means just a journey that we are all on, we're all on our separate journey, but, and then turn and repent of their ways. So repentance literally is to turn away from sin and to pursue 
holiness or righteousness. So if, I'm, if I would, if I pray, if I humble myself, God, I, I'm, I'm humbling to you. And I'm not talking about false humility either. But God, I'm humbling myself to you. I'm, I'm coming to you right now with this brokenness. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. And God, I, I, I'm going to seek your face because I need you to move in this area. I'm repenting. I'm repenting for my sins that I've done, and I got angry at him, and I cussed at her, and, and that 18 wheeler on 787, I told them that they were number one, and um, God, I just need you to, like, Father, I'm repenting to you. Then God will heal their land and forgive them of their sins. Notice that even in the Old Testament, this is a passage about God going after the heart of a man the heart of a woman, and not their religious actions. He's not saying if people humble themselves and make sure that they tithe and clean up their act and, and make sure all their filthy Gentile ways are nice and pretty and in order, then I will turn to them and I will move on their behalf. No, he says, I want to go after your heart right here. If you get your heart aligned with me and your heart straight, then I can bring the healing. It's the same thing that Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7, is he's going after the heart of the matter. Does your heart trust God? Does your heart believe that he is who he says that he is? Is your heart in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying? Is your heart listening to what God might be saying to you? Is your heart daily talking to God? Even Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Which again, Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. But then you see, you got ask, seek, knock. So ask. He says ask. It's, it's, it's bigger. Um, it's, it's more than just saying, God, I, I, I need you to do something. Hear, hear me out. God, I need you to do something. I love what William Henry says. He says, ask right here is like a beggar looking for alms. Now, I've never been put in that type of situation. I've never been in that type of situation where I've had to literally beg for something uh, to happen or to, for change from people. But I know that our city is filled with people who are at that place in their lives. And, 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 and man, some, some of them are very bold. Some, and, and I say that very respectfully. Some of them are very bold in their approach to you. And good for them. They should be. But that's what William Henry's saying is when we ask, we need to be like a beggar who is at a place of humility that knows he has nowhere else to go except for up, asking for help because he's so poor. But then he says, seek, which is simply looking for something of value. Whenever we got our house, um, Christy's mom, Michelle, or and, and, uh, maybe somebody else, and, and God knows this may be a story that they were joking with me about forever, and if that's the case, then I'll find out after church, and I'll tweet about it and let you all know. But they told us that there was a wedding ring hidden in the walls of the house. Is that true, Michelle? That's true. Okay. All right, so thank you. So we have gone and we've been renovating these rooms and like we'll pull down the sheetrock and stuff. So I knew that there was a wedding ring. I don't know if it's of any value. I don't know if it's got a, you know, a two carat diamond in it or if it's just a gold ring or what. I don't know. Uh, but I was seeking while renovating the house to find this wedding ring. 
And so, like, I kid you not, like, we tear down some sheetrock, and, and just like people do whenever they're, they're mining for gold, like, I'd, you know, going through the sheetrock dust and, or the plaster dust, and like, well, there's no ring there, until eventually I just got tired and I gave up, and so there is a wedding ring in the walls of our house, and if anyone wants to buy our house, whenever we put it up on the market, you can have the honor of seeking out for this precious ring, my precious. That was a Lord of the Rings reference, by the way. But there's a wedding ring. But we were seeking, we were on a mission for the first couple years to find this ring. We didn't. It's sad. But we're just leaving it for the next person. We're just going to pass it on to the next person. Whoever wants to buy our house, let me know. But then he says, knock, which means going simply into a home. Now I want you to think about your keys. How many of you guys have lost your keys? Some of y'all, okay, the rest of you guys are lying. That's fine. If you drive, most of us have lost our keys. How many of you have lost your keys in a public place and you didn't know where they were? My wife got me one of those like little monitors on the app on your phone for Christmas one year. Um, and then I lost that. And so uh, I sometimes lose keys. And Christy can tell you that sometimes is more often than not. But you think about it, if you lose your keys, what do you do? You go and you ask, hey, Christy, have you seen the keys? Her response was normally, no, I haven't seen the keys. Where did you last put them? And it's like, I don't know. I thought you had them. Michael, you drove last. I think that was our conversation this morning. So then what do you do? You start seeking. Now, I don't know if you've ever gotten to a point where you've, you've seeked out to where you're flipping over stuff, you're lifting up cushions, but you're trying to find the keys. Has anyone ever gotten to that point? Especially when your baby girl takes the keys and they hide them somewhere, and then you're like opening up cupboards of like Fisher Price play sets and stuff. But if you're in a public place, you lose it in a public place. You know, you ask some people, you go back and you start seeking, and then if they're like, well, I, maybe you left it at the business down the road, what do you do, especially if that business is closed? You're going to go to that place of business, you're going to knock on the door, you're going to wait for someone to answer so that you can ask them and so that you can seek to find your keys. In the same way that whenever we lose our keys, that's what uh, God is saying, to ask, to seek, and to knock, and you will find them. He's saying, hey, if you're looking for someone and his name is Jesus Christ, I want you to ask and you will receive. I want you to seek and you will find. I want you to knock and the door will be open. But the problem is, is that Christians so often go to God as a last resort instead of prayer being the forefront and the first thing that we do as a body of believers. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 9, he says, or which one of you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to receive to your father, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Essentially what Jesus is saying is we're earthly parents, some of us, and some of you guys, you will be. But we've all had earthly parents. Now maybe you didn't have the best mom or the best dad, but when you asked for food, did they bring you a stone? When you asked for something to drink, did they bring you a cup of oil? No, because they know what's going to nurture us. They know what's going to satisfy us. They know what's going to make us survive and keep going. But then he says, if your heavenly father 
your heavenly Father, who is good, who is perfect, hears you pray, do you think that he's going to respond that way? How much greater will your heavenly Father give a gift to you when you ask? Better yet, how much greater would your heavenly Father supply your needs? See, if we are constantly pursuing Jesus, constantly asking Jesus for what we need, he will constantly be our provider. That's one of the crazy things about my mom. My mom has never been rich. She's never had a luxurious life. I remember one day she bought a pair of Reeboks, and she got really excited because she bought a pair of Reeboks, and she hadn't owned Reeboks before. But my mom is crazy enough to actually ask God for what she needs even if it is a flowered, colored plate or dish. And sometimes it annoys me, and some of you parents, you know exactly what I'll talk about, or if you've got parents like this, you'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, because she'll call and she'll just be like, Father, I just ask that you give Michael the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to do the construction on his house, and that you would just protect his, and I'm like, Mom, pray, oh, it just gets me so frustrated, but I know, why not? Like, do you not believe that I can build and repair? Well, Michael, we just, just ask God to help you. I mean, ultimately, why not? What's the worst that God's going to say? No. And then you're in the same place. But I'm willing to bet that if he wants to see glory in your life, that when he does say a no, there's going to be a yes to something else right around the no another corner. Or if he does tell you no, that he's got a better plan, a better way lined out for you and for me. So why not pray? Why not seek? Why not ask? How many of you guys are getting the new iPhone? Show of hands. Show of Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Hold on, give yourselves a round of applause. I mean that for real. Listen, here's why. I love Apple any day over Android. I'm sorry, Android is from the pits of Hades. But here's what I'm going to say. Um, they come out with a new iPhone every year. Someone texts me, hey, you can get $77 off on your new iPhone if you do it by this day. I'm like, bro, my phone works right now. I'm completely okay and content. It can take pictures, and it may not be the sexiest thing. But you know what? My phone is functioning and commend you. I commend you all. Some of y'all are like, I'm not raising my hand because I don't want to be singled out. I get it. We're not judging. No judgment here. But for the rest of you, I commend you. But you know what's interesting about an iPhone or an Android or any cell phone, really? Is if the cell phone battery dies, what happens? You can't use it. We've even spent extra money buying those protected, you know, battle-ready cases that are, are like going to charge your phone for an extra seven hours just in case it dies. And then some of you guys, you even in your backpack, I know in my backpack, you have those portable chargers that are attached in your backpack, and you pull out the little string and you just connect it to your phone, and so you're making sure you're constantly near a source of power. Now, if you have T-Mobile, and someone's going to give me an amen, have you ever dropped service in the capital region, <clears throat> Albany? What happens when you lose service? You can't make a call. So what good is an iPhone without a power source 
and a signal. You see, in this illustration, we're the iPhone. And our power source is the Word of God, and our signal is the Spirit of God. And we've got to be connected to the Word of God, and we've got to be listening to the Spirit of God, or else we're going to try to use this thing that we call prayer, and it's not going to go anywhere. We're going to try to use and be this thing called a Christian, and we're not going to be able to be and do all that God has called us to do. And so I've got three quick points about prayer that I just want to kind of throw out there as we start to land the plane here. Um, number one is God wants to connect with you. God wants to connect with you. He is the source, but he wants you to come to him, and I promise you he is chasing after you. He wants to connect with you. I love what Smith Wigglesworth says. He says, I pray, I never pray more than 20 minutes. Ha, huh, isn't that a relief? I never pray for more than 20 minutes at a time, but I never go more than 20 minutes without prayer. Could you just imagine just your life, you know, you're tr chilling in the car, you're listening to Hillsong, Bethel, maybe you're listening to Jay-Z, I don't know, and you're just like, God, I thank you. Father, I thank you for today. It's a beautiful fall day, pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks. Oh, God, I, thank, I praise you, Jesus. Or you walk into Starbucks, God, I just thank you for these ground-roasted beans that smell so good. And if you don't like Star Starbucks, go to Storied Coffee, right? I, you know, they've got better coffee anyway. Sorry, Paloma. Um, but like, could you just, like, just imagine? Or how about you're running late just to, to work? Father, I'm, I'm running late. So Lord, I just ask that you would just help me keep my patience down right now. I don't want to tell anyone else today that they're number one. Lord, I, I need to get there and I just need your help. Like, why not? What? The worst that happens is you're late. And you might get fired, but, you know, that's a whole other prayer that you can pray to God. One person said, and I don't know who it was, he says, A day without prayer is a boast without God. A day without prayer is you boasting without God. Point number two is God doesn't just want you to pray. He wants you to be an answer. And see, this is what happens whenever we start praying a little bit more. We start diving in about prayer. We get serious about prayer. We start to hear the voice of God, and the voice of God is going to say, hey, I want you to buy that person a cup of coffee. Or, hey, I want you to pray for that sick person. Or, hey, I want you to do this, or I want you to do that. And then what happens is we start to get fearful and timid, and God's like, hey, you've been praying for opportunity. Here's your opportunity. I, my spirit is with you, and I'm going to give you the power and the authority to be able to do this. You just got to trust me. What would happen if the church was actually the answer that the world is looking for? I mean that for real. Like, what would happen in our society if the church stepped up and had enough crazy, audacious faith and prayed big, bold prayers and then stepped in to be the answer to foster care, stepped in to be the answer to world hunger, stepped in to be the answer to the, the civil unrest that's going on, stepped in and became the answer. Now, ultimately, we are not the answer, but we point people to the answer who is Jesus Christ. But God wants all of us to be some form of an answer. You are an answer to somebody else's prayer. You may not realize it, but you are and you can be. And then the third thing is pray big things. Be persistent. 
Luke chapter 18 is this parable that Jesus tells of this nagging widow, this widow who comes and is just constantly annoying this judge. Give me justice, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. And the judge gets so annoyed that he gives her justice so that he, she would leave him alone. But then Jesus flips it and says, when you pray, now God is not annoyed with you, but when you pray, be persistent like this old widow. See, oftentimes we pray and we're like, God, I need you to be able to do this in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the missionaries. Huh. And then we go on with our day and we never bring it back up again. Could you just imagine your relationship with your spouse if you talk to your spouse like that? Christy, I need you to make sure that all the bills are paid. In Jesus' name, in Christy's name, amen. Walk away, never bring it back up. A month later, the bills aren't paid. Christy, did you not pay the bills? Oh, I forgot, like, but if I go to her and I commune with her and I talk to her and I have a conversation with her, then we can start to work things out and things will start to get done. Man, here's, here's, my, here's what I'm trying to get to, church. First and foremost, before we can be this amazing thing, before we can go out and do amazing things, it starts from a place of humility and prayer and worship and fasting and the church getting on their face and crying out to God for God to move. And I believe that God wants to move in 2020. I believe that God wants to move here at City Church. I believe that God wants to move in your family and in your life, but it requires the church falling down to their knees and saying, God, we need you. We can't do it. You've got to do what only you can do and so let's pray some big audacious bold prayers let's be a church that believes and that seeks and that goes after and here's the thing Jesus is constantly seeking after you Jesus is constantly running after you Luke chapter 15 a woman loses a coin and what happens she starts seeking after the coin and she rips up all the furniture she turns things upside down until she finds that coin and then she celebrates the fact that she found that coin and then you've got the lost sheep who the farmer or the, the shepherd is looking and he's seeking for that lost sheep and he finds a sheep being dumb and stupid like sheep are they're dumb and stupid which is why sometimes we're called sheep no offense and God pursues that sheep and picks that sheep up and brings that sheep back to the herd like it's supposed to be and then you've got the prodigal son you see it wasn't the son that was prodigal it was the father that was prodigal that was sitting there preparing and waiting for his son to turn back around and to start pursuing And the moment that the son started pursuing the father the father dropped everything he was doing and was running after the son and embraced him and hugged him and gave him a fine coat and to Today, our Heavenly Father is doing the same for us. He's pursuing us. He's seeking us. He's running after us. Are we doing the same to Him? Are we doing the same to Him? Man, what would happen if a church actually prayed? And I don't mean one of those like, God bless the missionaries and give me 50 cents. But I mean actually prayed actually prayed for God to move. I, I, I've got three things I'm going to ask y'all to be praying for, and then we're going to do something. But before we can get to that stage, it starts with having a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And for some of you today, maybe you have been seeking, 
And I'm here to tell you, God is seeking after you and he's knocking on the door beat, on the, on, on the door of your heart right now. And he's saying, I want you to let me in. And so I wanna ask us all to stand up at this time. If that's you and you've never said yes to Jesus, know that Jesus is here right now. Jesus is speaking to you. He loves you and he cares for you. If that's you, I just wanna invite you to say this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I'm letting you in. And if that is you and you're saying yes to Jesus and online you're saying yes to Jesus, Man, I would love to hear about it so we can pray for you. We want to walk with you and champion what God is doing inside of you. We have a free gift in the back. It's, it's a book called The Cross Work by our friend Zach, and it talks about what Jesus did on the cross and how it is enough for our salvation. The other thing I'd like to do is on your chairs around you, there are these cards that say, I'm praying for. And there's three things. I want you to take these cards, and if you've got a pen, or if you need to go get a pen, or if you want to borrow a pen, you need to sanitize it. We've got sanitizer everywhere. But let's believe God for some big things. Let's believe God for some big things. And I want you to write down what you're believing God for. And here's what we're going to do. If, this is a big if, you feel brave enough, and you want our church staff to be praying for that this week, I'd like you to write down your three things that you're believing God for through prayer. Take a picture of it with your iPhone or your Android. If you don't have a smartphone, then find another sheet. And I want you to bring your prayer up here and you can put your name on it if you want, or you can keep it completely anonymous and place it in the bucket so that we can be praying for you this week. So that we can be joining with you in prayer this week and believe for ridiculous things to happen. I mean, why not? Why not? Scripture says ask. Scripture says seek. Scripture says knock. Well, let's ask, let's seek, and let's knock. And I'm going to give you my three things that I'm praying for, and I'm going to close out with one last thing after that, I promise. And then we're going to worship, and we're going to pray. And I mean, we're going to pray today. We're going to pray because God has called us to be a praying church, a praying people. So, Here's what I'm praying for. I'm crazy enough to believe that God's gonna give us a building. I mean, we've been looking for a while. We've got some money set aside. We do need some more money. I'm not gonna lie. I ain't gonna, you know, but why not? God, we need you to move so that we can get a building. I, I, why not, right? And it isn't building just so we can have church. It's a building so that we can be a resource to the community and engaged in the neighborhood and so that we can plant and we are saying that we are here to stay, that City Church is not going to go anywhere and that the gospel is going to be proclaimed from that house and go out to the streets. And so I'm gonna, I'm, I want to invite you guys to pray with me for that today. The second thing I'm praying for is Revo Conference, man. I want God to rend the heavens. I want God to pour out his spirit in a way that is so uncontrollable and so uncontainable that something drastically, I mean, if last year was good, that needs to be the floor for where we're going this year. And then the third thing I want to invite you guys to pray with me for is our city. Our city has been dealing with crazy amount of gun violence and gang violence this year. Jesus is the answer. 
Our city has saw 200 plus teachers being laid off at Albany um, School District. Jesus is an answer. And guess what, church? That might mean he may use you as an answer. But let's pray for our city, for God to heal our city. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to sing this song. Y'all can go ahead and start singing, get it all spiritual in here. And we're going to pray. And we're going to sing, and we're going to pray, and we're going to sing, and we're going to pray, and we're going to sing, and we're going to pray, and we're going to sing. And we'll get you out of here on time. Don't worry. But why not believe for God to do something crazy? And whenever you feel led, please put your mask on and practice social distancing. Come and place your prayer request up here so that we can pray for these.